1: So many sports are in full swing right now, so there's no better time to get into sports betting than this very second. Go to BetOnline. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. (laughs) And welcome, everybody, to a brand-new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Jesse Cass here with you as we have a fantastic show on deck. Eric Pincus, who writes for Bleach Report, Basketball Insiders. He's a contributor on NBA TV. All over the basketball landscape, we're very excited and lucky to have him on the show today. He's going to help us break down the end of the regular season, going forward into the playoffs for the Clippers, who... And as the four seed with a matchup with the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to cover all of that and get into all the minutiae of the playoffs for the Clippers coming up. Quickly, before we do, we want to let you know if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. We're also available wherever else you get your podcasts and at Believe.com. So with all of that said, as mention mentioned, the Clippers uh, kind of finagled their way into the four seed. They decided to prioritize rest for their stars and some of their players who've been banged up throughout the year. And uh, with that, uh, we're able to drop some games to the Rockets and the Thunder to put themselves in the four seat in a matchup with the Dallas Mavericks. You know, it could be a toss-up which matchup was better for the Clippers. You know, they've really handled Portland pretty well, but they obviously felt comfortable with the matchup versus Dallas. And I think what most people have been pointing out, they put themselves most likely on the opposite end of the bracket as the Lakers, where they would potentially meet up in a conference finals rather than the first or second round. That, of course. Still to be determined a little bit with the Lakers in the play in game. It's widely expected they'll probably be able to handle Golden State and get that seven seed, but they could always end up losing that first game, end up as the eight seed, and then it could be a potential Clippers Lakers if they're able to advance in the second round. So, a lot obviously still to be determined there, but the Clippers, a rematch of last year's matchup with Dallas. Of course, the Clippers won that series in six games last year. They were up big in pretty much every game in that series. Uh, including a 154-111 win in Game 5. But Luka Doncic, he of course had that big buzzer beater and the double overtime win in Game 4. Had huge numbers throughout the series, so they'll have to contend with him again in a Dallas team that's still locked and loaded with shooters. They don't have Seth Curry anymore, but they do have a little more defense with Josh Richardson. So a lot of interesting things with that matchup and to see how the Clippers can do, who of course have... A lot of different personnel than they did last year as well, and a new coach in Ty Lu It's all stuff we talk about with Eric Pincus right here on the Believe Podcast Network, so we're not going to waste any more time. Here it is, my conversation with Eric Pincus on the Believe in Clippers podcast. All right, we're now joined here on the Believe in Clippers podcast by our guest, Eric Pincus. You might know him from Bleach Report, NBA TV. He's been all over the map, and we're very excited to have him here with us this week. Eric, thanks so much for
2: coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Happy to do it.
1: Yeah, we're obviously in a very exciting time in, in the NBA with, you know, the regular season just coming to an end last night. We have the playoffs pretty much set with the playing games coming this week. And, and of course, for the Clippers, it's, uh, it's a rematch with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, just from this year, or just from the end of this regular season, what did you see in kind of the chaos of, of the past few days with kind of the tankathon with the Clippers being part of that, and a lot of teams kind of positioning themselves uh, to be where they want to be in
2: terms of seeding? Well, ha- has a team more successfully tanked than the Clippers <laughs> the last two games they lost to the Rockets and to the Thunder like that the, these teams are t- they've been tanking a long time they're playing guys who are borderline NBA players and and I like I, I mean I like when teams give young players an opportunity to play a, an opportunity that they would never get these kind of minutes so I I don't hate what they're doing I get it but for the Clippers they definitely manipulated the system a little bit and it reminds me of Days gone by with Mike Dunleavy, he did the same thing <laughs> and tanked around and, and avoided certain seeds and certain matchups. Uh, I don't I'm not a big fan of that. I, I you can argue it, it. It angers the basketball gods or whatever you want to say. It also I mean, matchups matter. And uh, if you draw the Lakers right away. You could argue, Jared Dudley made the point. Like we're not quite ready yet because physically, they, you know, maybe it's better to get the Lakers early. Uh, maybe now the Lakers and Clippers meet in the conference finals, and the Lakers are rolling, and it's a harder battle for the Clippers. But then the Clippers also have their own issues, like like health. You know, Serge Ibaka just came back. We know George is p- going to play through pain. He's been p- paying, you know, toe pain for some time. Kawhi's got a couple of things. Everybody's a little banged up and maybe more so this season than usual because of the compressed schedule. And so the Clippers did what they felt was right. I don't love it. Uh, I think there's a lot to, to, you could say, oh, well, they're, you know, they don't deserve this side or the other thing because they, I'm not going to take a strong take and say, oh, they, this is not the heart (laughs) of a champion. They did what they did. They still have to get through Dallas. That's not an easy thing. They still have to get through the next series. They have to keep winning, keep winning, and it's going to be a tough road no matter how you do it. They manipulated things a little bit. I don't, maybe they, they probably deny it publicly, but come <laughs> on, we saw what they did. You don't lose to the Rockets and the Thunder if you're not trying to lose to the Rockets and the Thunder.
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime Daniel Oturo has 21 shot attempts in a game, you know that you're not really going for for the win necessarily, but but you touched on something there with this team, and, and it's a lot of teams that have dealt with it, but. Trying to get their health right going into the playoffs. And you know, there's no question they, as you said, manipulated things, but but how important is it for them, do you think, that, you know, getting these guys right? Paul George playing through the toe injury, Kawhi Leonard with right. his little Knicks and X and getting Ibaka and some of those guys back?
2: Well, I mean, if you don't have the the healthy players, you're like it doesn't matter. Like we could look at the team on paper and say this team should beat this team, but if Paul George is at 80% and Kawhi is at 75. And surge is at forty, and, and I'm just making up numbers. Yeah, you know, but the, we don't really know. Uh, surge in his first game back looked like he had a lot of energy. That that's kind of an emotional thing, playing off of adrenaline. But how does his body respond, and and do they get time to get some practices in? And, and that's what's a little different about playoffs. When you play eighty-two or seventy-two games this year, uh, teams don't really have time. The coaching staff, the the players, to really practice against the team you're about to play it, you don't you might go through a shoot around and i've been at shoot rounds and i've seen uh teams like they'll run through three or four sets that the other team runs and like with their second string will run it and their first string will have to you know they'll, and it's like a the point the coaches will point out things i've seen that with the the clippers and the lakers and and some other home teams uh i'm trying to think who else i've seen but mostly lakers and clippers i've seen that kind of run through uh and you it, that's not enough but when you get to the playoffs it's a it's a completely different sport and that's why they you know they call it the second season and, and it really the playing aside right the playing is is similar idea you do have more time to prepare a little bit but forget the playing um a normal playoff series best of seven you have the best coaches in the world uh not just talking clippers but you know nba coaches and the kind of resources that they have the kind of deep staff uh, to look at the analytics, to look at tape, and see what the other team does. By the time you get to Game Three, at that point, everybody pretty much knows what everyone's going to do. Game Four, Five, Six, Seven, it, it it becomes more about will. It becomes about ex- can. If you if you can exploit a matchup difference, and if the other team simply can't adjust, then that's the that's the series. And so the Clippers have, you know, from their point of view, they have the time to get themselves healthy. Uh, they draw Dallas, who you can argue has one of the best players in the league in Luka, you know, depends on where you fall on that, but may not have the best team. I, mean, I think the Mavericks can beat any single team in the entire NBA in a game, period. Like, they, you you have a game against any team, they have a real shot to win. I don't know how much of a series winner the Mavericks are against most teams in in the West, like Utah, Phoenix, Denver. Clippers, you know, Blazers. we go down each team, Lakers, Warriors, whoever's in, in the end, like if we go through, yeah, they could probably beat the Warriors. Uh, that becomes a question of like Steph, you know, versus Luka. But w- really what matters now is, you know, can Dallas beat the Clippers? And that's a tough one because you've got such a good team in the Clippers. You've got a, a great player in the Mavericks and a good team around him. And I think the Clippers are just a better team and their star power in Kawhi, you can argue is is close like we could say some you know Clipper fans will say Kawhi is better than Luka and Mavericks fans will say Luka is better than Kawhi and then if you ask everybody else around the NBA you'll get a mixed opinion and, and I, I think it's safe to say that Kawhi is more of a proven commodity because Luka is still an NBA baby um, as far as experience but I love what Luka does and it's going to be fun and I, I want to see a great series I don't want to see a short series I want to see a long one that's as a as a fan of the game Clipper fans want to see a short series because they want their team to sweep, right? You, know, you want your team to be in and out, uh, the least wear and tear possible on your players, get it done, no drama. It usually doesn't go that way. I think Luka's going to get at least uh, one or two games out of the Mavericks. But I, I haven't done my, my, my predictions yet on, on the series, and I'll probably go something like Clippers and six. I think that's what it, it feels like to me. But um, th- this opportunity for the Clippers to rest a little bit they obviously aren't in the plane and to prepare get let let players heal and then to draw a team that's really built around one guy and, and yes they have Porzingis but um, his health issues and and I still need to see you know him deliver at this level and it's not an easy matchup but you do have uh, Zubats who has good size and you have Ibaka back who has great length and veteran experience uh, I, I feel like it's going to really be up to Luka to carry this thing and I th- think the Clippers are, are in a good place. And that's probably why they made sure that they, they stayed at that four or five.
1: Yeah, no, it was an interesting choice because you, you couldn't make the argument that Clippers have had a lot of success against Portland as well, but you know, maybe playing the long game and looking ahead and trying to be on that other side of the bracket, like we talked about with the Lakers and waiting as far as possible to see them. But you know, one thing, as far as this Clippers team, I think everyone rightfully so, is going to judge them on what they do in the playoffs because of what happened last year and just the expectations around the team. Uh, You know, they made the coaching change to to bring Ty Lue in. You know, Doc Rivers is obviously a great coach as well. But, uh, you know, what do you see from him in terms of, you talked about the playoffs being a game of adjustments and and matching up and making those calls. Clippers obviously hired Ty Lue because they felt like he was that adaptable type of coach. Uh, Do you see him being able to, to kind of guide the Clippers in the way that they would
2: hope he can in the playoffs coming up? Well, that's a, that's a good question. You know, we don't we have a story that's not written and we we know who Tyron Lue is. I I covered him uh gosh, I a little bit when he was I wasn't around the Lakers quite yet when he was with the Lakers. I think I started covering Clippers and Lakers. I actually covered the Clippers first before I got the Lakers. The year Chris Kaman came, came in, he was my first interview <laughs> uh in at Staples Center, my first player interview at Staples Center. Uh but Lou uh as a coach has a ring because in part, he coached LeBron James. So it's really difficult to say how much of that was Lou, how much of that was LeBron, because LeBron is, you know, what he is. Yeah. And Lou is, uh, from what I could tell, a very good coach. And when I talk to people around the league, they ha- there's a lot of respect for him and that he's underrated uh, based on you win with LeBron, you don't get the kind of credit. Eric Spolster didn't get the kind of credit that he deserved. And I think people have grown to understand, like, yes, yeah, Spolster is a really good coach. Not just because he had LeBron and one with LeBron and Wade and all that. Uh, what happened in the bubble happened in the bubble was a very complex situation. This year is also complex and not typical. So uh, it, it takes a certain amount of mental toughness to push through this year, and even in a normal year, it takes mental toughness to survive the playoffs to win. And it takes it takes uh, the experience of having done it. To do it and so every so often you get a team that hasn't done it and they get it done and and usually i go with guys who have done it so Kawhi is that uh rondo is that um and there are other pieces on on the clippers you could look at like ibaka's been he hasn't doesn't have the ring but he's been to the, the finals before and uh has had a great career uh, actually yeah no he won he did win with toronto as well, right so um, so you've got more of that championship DNA plus the coach and and doc had it of course with with uh Boston, but I think you know Doc's tenure with the Clippers had kind of peaked, and it was time for him to move on and that's not a judge of how good of or bad of a coach he is. I think that doc in certain moments made maybe the wrong not I don't know about the wrong choice, but the choice that didn't work. Right. And maybe if you made a different choice, that one also wouldn't have worked. And maybe the Clippers were just not going to win in certain situations. Uh but they needed something different. And he's done great doc. He's got the best team in the East as far as record and a chance to show that, you know, maybe it was the Clippers and it wasn't yeah. Doc. Or maybe it was the combination of, you know, Doc's been there. He'd been there too long and it was time to move on. Uh Lou can you know he has a lot to show and a lot to prove to show that he you know he is what he is outside of LeBron James and uh the clippers have a lot to prove that what happened last year was circumstantial and uh i think that all, all eyes will be on on Paul George uh because he had the biggest difficulty in the bubble he talked a lot about his feelings of you know isolation depression some level of anxiety and and i think it's very brave to talk about those sort of things and i think that that's a, a good thing that he shared those feelings, but at the same time, you see that there are vulnerabilities, and you want to think, okay, these guys are invulnerable superhumans who are going to go and you know win at all costs and never have a you know no, a second of doubt or a concern. Uh, and, and you look at Kawhi, and being that Kawhi is not very communicative, I think that kind of you kind of look at Kawhi as closer to like the Terminator, <laughs> like android, like there's that personality, but. You know, there's you don't see the vulnerability with someone like Kawhi, but you do see it with Paul George. So I'm, I'm pulling for Paul to to have a great playoff, whatever the Clippers end up doing. I don't really pull for teams anymore, having done this long enough. But I would I, I would like to see a redemption story for Paul George uh, because I, you know, I have a lot of respect for for what he's done over the course of his career. So the, the, like I don't have an answer because none of us do. Right. Like yeah. we really we need to see what it looks like. Uh, there's that real potential. Clippers are better in a lot of ways than they were last year. They're a better shooting team than they were. Uh, I think that uh, I, I'd been saying for two years that they don't have a point guard, and that's a problem. Uh, and that uh, Patrick Beverly is a good defensive player. He's a, a pro, better than – I think better than uh, a lot of people around the league think at shooting. Like he's a, a decent catch-and-shoot guy. Yeah. Uh, and But he's not a point guard. And when you – Reggie Jackson marginal point guard like more of a scorer who can get some assists and so when you have someone like Kawhi and Paul George and you're asking them as doc did to just have kind of like this egalitarian offense where the ball just moves where it's supposed to well teams in, in, in it goes back to our discussion where teams really have the time to game plan against you what works in the regular season with that kind of offense Doesn't really work when teams shut down those options. And now you need someone to create something out of nothing. So the addition of Rondo really changes the script of who the Clippers are. And I know he's very limited in some ways, but he's really, really uh, elite in others. And uh, we've seen playoff Rondo and we've seen (laughs) Rondo struggle at times in the playoffs because he's not young and uh, he does get injured a lot. And he's not really a consistent shooter. Uh, there are times where he'll be great. He'll go on long streaks and then there'll be times where he'll go like five for 20. Yeah. And uh, but ultimately I think more than anything else, they have someone who can create when teams are going to load up and make sure that Paul George and Kawhi can't create this, the offense. Now you can have uh, them off the ball and have Rondo create the offense and you, you could run a two man game with Marcus Morris or something that's seemingly benign compared to your elite scores. And you still have to guard that and respect that. And he's going to get a good shot for himself for Marcus Morris. And while you're adjusting to that, and I'm just making that up as, a, as an example, yeah. uh, as you're adjusting to that and having to defend that now you've lost sight of Paul George and, and Kawhi. And this is a, a huge part of what the Lakers did last year, where all eyes defensively are on LeBron and the entire defense loads up to LeBron and if he can't get the ball to ad in a comfortable position because it's a just a two-man thing to defend that's defendable but now you have lebron off the ball you have rondo with the ball and rondo doesn't even have to create a two-man game with ad it can be with someone else and then you have to worry about ad and lebron and so it's a similar kind of parallel i love the move when they made it uh and i know a lot of people were um some are bullish. Some were like, "Eh, you know, Rondo isn't going to make the difference." Yeah. But he, to me, that he has to have uh, a, a great playoff run for this team because that's what they need the most. Because teams are going to do everything they can to stop Paul George and Kawhi. And and look, then you can't stop those guys. But if they like, if Kawhi is at basically his season averages, that's not enough, yeah. right? Like, in an, he has to be elite. Play playoff performers bring it. Uh, they, they raise the level of their game, but then the opposing teams do everything they can to stop that. And so if Kawhi is good or even great, that might not be enough. And so I think having Rondo will enable Paul George, will enable Kawhi Leonard to be better. And it, 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 it really, it, it should be easier for them to be better because they don't have to be that creator. And I think it'll shine on Lou a little bit and, uh, Like that maybe they play as a team more successfully over Doc, but really I think it's a personnel thing. And I just don't, I think that was the missing piece. They have it. He's not 29. He's late in his career. So it's not necessarily like a forever thing. Uh, But if they can get a good playoff out of Rondo, I think that's going to be, you know, why they're better than they were last year.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned the personnel. That's obviously a, you know, a big shift they, The you know, the key star guys like Kawhi and Paul George are still there, but a lot of the supporting cast is different this year with Serge Baca and Nicholas Batum, of course, Rondo, as you just mentioned. And, you know, I think ideally for them going forward in the playoffs, those are some of those holes that they are hoping they fixed from last year where, you know, guys who are great scorers and Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, but could be picked on defensively. You don't necessarily have that with this team really as individual defender who can be, picked on over and over and over again so at least from from those things it seems like they should be patched up but obviously as i said we all have to wait and see to see how it turns out when they actually get on the court
2: right like if you're playing lebron and the lakers and you've got luke Kennard on the floor lebron will probably run at luke Kennard. so yeah. at times Kennard and his shooting may not be viable uh maybe especially end game situations but you you have batum who is we talked about you know season players and even though i don't believe he has a ring uh, he does have a long history of playoff basketball uh, and, he, you know, even playing overseas uh, with the French team, you know, he's got a long history uh, and you're not asking him to be like Batum who got that big contract years ago. You're asking him to be the role player that he is Uh Ibaka, It's a health issue. You know, he doesn't have the same kind of springiness that he had five, six years ago. It's just the nature of the game, but that's also why the Clippers have him. If he was still that guy, they wouldn't have been able to afford him. Yeah. Uh, so you, you get what you get and and you're not asking him to play 40 minutes a game. You, you have Zubots at center who probably continues to start. We'll see. Uh, and then a, a Baca backing him up. But you also have Morris. Who's a, a smaller option. The Lakers would pick on Morris a bit defensively. Um, when, when it wasn't, when it was, when they weren't going at Lou or Harold, they would go at Morris and Morris is solid. He's probably better than Harold and certainly better than Lou defensively, but they'll try to find those little holes. But, you know, I like that Lou and the Clippers, they have a lot of different ways that they can go about it. And I just think they have a better team from personnel perspective uh, across the board, but you know, as a two-way team, like it's not yeah. just an offensive team. I think they relied on the, the idea that Kawhi is a great defender and uh, Paul George is a great defender. And so they didn't necessarily round out and, and Beverly, you, they didn't necessarily round out the rest of the roster in, in the previous year. And and that's not, uh, you know, it's hard to build a roster. They, they, it all came together so quickly with, with George and, and Kawhi. And then it's like, okay, well, you have what you have, and it's difficult within the salary cap to make those changes. Yeah. So it took some time to better balance the roster. So, you know, this is a better balanced roster. They have better shooting, they have better defense. They have more flexibility and style of play. What you lose, you do lose that, elite scoring of Lou Williams and, and the elite scoring of what Trez can do from his position. Uh, but those, neither of those are necessarily proven playoff performers. Like Lou has always sort of struggled in the playoffs other than a couple of games against the Warriors. Uh, and Trez you know, he does, he's, he's great at what he does, but if you, if you play Jokic, you, you, you know, you can't really, you know, the Lakers have uh, AD, they have, uh, Drummond they have Marcus Gasol so if and when they play the Nuggets they don't Trez probably is a situational fit right yeah. like if Jokic is off then play Trez against Jamichael or something like that uh, and then maybe you give a different look to Jokic at times and see how it goes but the Clippers were sort of stuck last year where you're playing Jokic and you just you don't it was basically Zubots and you couldn't really play Trez and they didn't really have anywhere else like you know, Patterson or, you know, like they were kind yeah. of stuck last year. And even know, in and the that. Dallas
1: series where obviously not nearly the, the amount of minutes that Jokic would get, but you know, the Boban Trez minutes were were problematic for them in that series as well. So, you know, as is said on paper, it seems like they'd be more well-equipped to handle that this year as opposed to last Absolutely. season.
2: Yeah. I agree. Definitely. Ibaka can play four or five. Yeah. And, and they're just, they have choices and they have choices that they didn't have last year. So Uh, that's, that's all you want as a coach is to be able to play, uh, multiple different ways, big, small, fast, slow, whatever you need to do and to have the personnel to do it. And it's not, it, it, let's say Lou finally, you know, his first real year gets the the Clippers way past where doc got them, you know, maybe the finals, maybe the conference final, whatever. And there'll be a lot of, and there'll be a lot of people playing doc this, that, and the other thing, but you know, some of it was personnel and to be fair doc had a hand in personnel for a really long time so some of that is his fault too uh but you know i i don't think doc is the you know the focus anyway you know like the clippers that that's the past they want to win now uh but when we look back um i don't know if it's that lose a better coach if the clippers have better success or just that the team has a i mean they're legit a better team right now on paper they're a better team and so whoever the coach is yeah that matters but i think having a better team is why they would do better than they did last year. It's kind of obvious, right? You have a better yeah. team should do better.
1: Yeah. I think most coaches would tell you though. they always prefer more talent in a, in a better roster. So that's, you know, obviously doc, yeah. as you mentioned doing very well with, with Philadelphia this year as well. Um, you know, for the Clippers rotationally this year in the playoffs, it seems like they're kind of settling on a nine man rotation. We know this year they've had so many people step up with, with all of their injuries, but you know, that leaves guys like, you know, Terrence Mann, you mentioned Luke Kennard, uh, you know, even Reggie Jackson, who of course has been a big part of the team, maybe in a reduced role. What do you see their rotation being in the playoffs? Maybe just obviously in this Dallas series to start, uh, but but kind of going forward and who are the key guys for them who get, you know, the big minutes?
2: Well, I mean, it'll it'll vary series to series, but generally speaking, obviously you're going to have your, your top two stars. Uh, you're going to need Zubots to play well because of, of Porzingis, and you're going to need to match up that size with Ibaka and, and Morris as best you can, and then defensively Batum to help guard uh, against uh, Doncic. I think he's an interesting choice in addition to Beverly and, and the two stars. So yeah. that that's kind of the core as I see it. Um, but then you need Rondo in there, and maybe Rondo isn't this series. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like it might he may not be the most important piece in this series. Uh, I don't know if if the Mavs are good enough defensively to really force the Clippers into a tough situation, where Rondo is as important now. Uh, but they're gonna they're gonna need Rondo in the minutes, probably over Reggie Jackson. In my you know in my opinion, to kind of build that chemistry that they need to have. So, uh, Kennard is kind of uh, you know, like you play him where there's opportunity. I think it's important to keep him in the rotation. Uh, I don't know if he's as important in this particular playoffs. And then you've got DeMarcus as another option uh, for when you, I mean, he's also someone who's been to the finals and has a lot of real talent when it comes to offense. And, you know, he's limited compared to what he used to be, but that's, that's fine. Uh, So there's minutes. And I think opportunity there, especially uh, if you're running into foul trouble against Porzingis, uh, but you just want options. You, you've got Reggie Jackson as a, as a spark plug. I don't know exactly how they find minutes for man who's been really good. And and that's just the the nature of things. Uh, when you're trying to win, younger players are probably going to have to sit. I don't, I mean, other, you know, coffee, Farrell, <laughs> like to, uh, you know, all these young guys are probably going to have to wait and, and sit it out. I don't know who else I've, I've left out, but by, by and large, I think that's the, the core rotation. I don't know if there's room for Patterson other than, uh, you know, spot minutes. Yeah. but Really it's the two stars and then filling in defensively around them. I think offensively, the first series shouldn't be as challenging for the Clippers. I think that their offense will be fine. I think the harder part of dealing with Dallas is, is that they spread the floor with so many shooters around Doncic, who is so great at getting into the paint and kicking it. (laughs) He's a, Similar to LeBron, yeah, uh, and it, obviously they're different uh, body types. You know, LeBron is is just so physically overpowering, athletically that when he gets to the basket, there's nothing you can do. But you watch Luca, and even though he's not quite as quick or he's not quite as explosive, he really does a brilliant job of getting into the paint and creating rotations that he hits, and he's not afraid to score and go to the basket, uh, and he finishes well. So you know, he's a He's not LeBron, but they're the same style of player. And it goes back to the Magic Johnson tree of how, you know, a a, a gigantic point guard, like a six foot nine, six foot ten, six foot seven, whatever, uh, six, eight, those big point guards who create problems. That's who that's who who Luca is. That's what the Mavericks are built around. And then Porzingis is seven foot three, I think, or seven, four, something like that. Uh, and he can hit the three, and 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 is a problem. But they mostly it's just shoot like Max. He's a shooter. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, you go down the list. They just they spread the floor really well. That's who they, you know the what the Mavericks aren't is a team that can play a lot of different ways. They're kind of the way they play. They play the way they play with an elite guy playing that way. And as much as teams try to stop their one way, they don't. Yeah, because it's really hard to. And so, like I said, I, I would probably pick. Uh, Clippers in six because I do think Luca will will do things because no matter how good you are it's it's almost impossible to stop certain players but I feel like it might be a closer to a five than a seven you know what I mean in the Clippers way yeah Yeah,
1: and and it's interesting obviously with a player that's that incredible and dynamic like Luca Dante as you said there's only so much you can do he's gonna get his numbers no matter what but we saw last year in the playoffs, it really took until basically game five until the Clippers decided to kind of blitz Luca and, and double team him. You know, that obviously presents its own set of problems with all the shooters you just mentioned, but is there a best way to go about him? Is it just switching up coverages, um, making it as tough as possible? What's the best way to defend Luca and this Mavericks team?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, the there's, there are obviously different schools of thought. Uh, one is let Luca not let, but you know, let him be a scorer. Make yeah. him a scorer. You you want LeBron to be a scorer more than you want him to be a playmaker. Uh there, there was an argument on on Kobe. Do you let Kobe mm-hmm. score 30, 40 points uh and make sure that no one else scores? Or do you do everything you can to stop Kobe scoring and you make everyone else score? And that's a coaching philosophy, but I think the priority is to is to kind of blend it. Like there are times where you might do one, you might do the other. And so don't just approach Luka Doncic one way because he's elite enough, uh, especially in the mind, right? Like players like LeBron and Magic on that tree, their their ability to understand, really to see where everyone is on the floor and understand the game of if I I do this, then they're going to do that and that's going to be open and they're able to pinpoint those passes. uh, That's an elite skill that very few ever have. And so... The more comfortable Luca is in that one way of defending him, the more um, the more he's going to adapt to it. The more his teammates are going to get comfortable into it. So you should be hitting him up with a zone here. You should be hitting him up with a blitz. You should be hitting him up uh, with a single coverage and no doubles. Period. And then there are times, like I said, you should be blitzing where now and you mix them up so it's not regular and it's it's hard to predict the pattern, right? And it's going to be matchup dependent. It's going to, like, you're going to approach it differently depending on what shooters they have. Like, maybe Dwight Powell is not as good a shooter, so you might do it a little differently than if they've got Maxi on the floor, right? Or, um, you know, Hardaway versus some of their other players, like Josh Richardson is a better defender. He's not as good a shooter. It's Hardaway, so you're going to play it differently. So you're probably going to have, I mean, I don't know how Lou's going to do it, but you're, you know, I know that you, one way of coaching is like designated shooters. Like you want Dwight Powell and you want uh, Richardson to be the designated shooters when it comes to jump shots. And if you get beat by Dwight Powell jump shots, you'll be like, that's fine. That's what we want. And we're not going to change our plan. And if he gets hot, if, if it's, if it's to the point where he's got 20, 30 points you change, you know, maybe change it up. But if he's got like 10 points out of it and he hits three or four in a row, you stick with the game plan and you say over time, that's going to work. So I, I don't think there's one way that you guard someone like Luca and it, and it's like it, the matchup against the Lakers is different because you have LeBron, but you also have AD and then you have Schroeder and, you know, you have like Schroeder can create just like Rondo, the Lakers needed that secondary playmaker. Uh, you look at the, at the Mavericks and I'm, I'm not sure they're at the point where the Lakers are, where they're like, we have a, as viable and a, a, a second option or is viable a third option? Or they put in Taylen Horton Tucker, and now we've got an, you know like they have that depth in creation. When you look at the Mavericks, you know, I, I think Rick Brunson's been really good for them, and he's really really solid, and he's a good player. Not Rick Brunson, Jalen Brunson, Jalen, his, his son, yeah. Rick <laughs> Brunson's the former. I, I covered Rick Brunson when he was with the Clippers a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, former. Those were not good Clipper days. <laughs> former Clipper, former New York Nick, Rick Brunson. Yeah, remember the yeah, but uh, his kid Jalen. So Jalen's been great, but. Again, like there, he can create some, but it's not, it's not on the same level. And and he's really, really good. And the Mavericks should be feel great about the young player they found and have been developing. However, on this stage and in this moment, I, you know, the the, the Mavericks play the way they play. I don't, I don't, I look at the 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 variability that the Clippers have in personnel to defend that, and I I, and their shooting to go with it, so that you could still have defenders and have shooting on the floor. And have creation be it with your stars or with Rondo, and I just I like the matchup. I don't think that the Mavericks have enough else to go to uh, outside of of Luca. And we just kind of talked about a lot of ways to make it at least harder on Luca. So uh, you don't need him to shoot, you know, two for twenty. Like you just need Luca to have a good game. Yeah. If Luca has a good game, then you're going to win. If Luca has an incredible game. Then you might lose. And so just make sure he's not uh, raising his game to like 125, 120% of his usual game or 200%. You know, like, yeah, make sure he's having like an on average game. An average game for him is better than almost anybody in the league. <laughs> but that shouldn't be enough for the Mavericks to win a series if Luka is at his regular season averages.
1: Yeah, we kind of saw that last year, right, where I don't have the exact numbers from every game last playoffs in front of me, but in some of those losses, as you said, around his averages of, you know, still 26, 27 points, and in the games the Mavericks won, you know, a 40-point triple-double with that buzzer-beating win. So, you know, as you said, taking it to that that next level where he can kind of carry the Mavericks to a win or two.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you want, like, efficiency in the NBA is important. And the analytics movement focuses a lot on the most efficient way to score, the most efficient way to defend. Ultimately, the most important thing is to win. And so efficiency isn't really, it doesn't matter if you win efficiently or if you win yeah. inefficiently, as long as you win, right? It doesn't, ultimately, the goal is to win, not to be efficient. Uh, but the goal would be for the Clippers is to force uh, Luka to be inefficient. That's all. Like, if he's gonna get his numbers, make sure that there that his field goal percentage is down, that his assist to turnover ratio is up, right? Like, make sure, or rather, you know, up in the turnover department. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, To 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 just force him into a a more difficult twenty six, and you know, a triple double with twenty six points. If he gets to thirty, and shoots below his normal percentage, and has you know higher turnover count. You probably did all right, and 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 also like, Luca has to be willing. You know, from his point of view, if they're blitzing him, he has to trust his teammates, and it it, it's gonna come down to how well everyone else steps into their roles, and you could get someone get get very hot and and hurt the Clippers, and that can counterbalance what the Clippers are doing to Luca. So he can't win this on his own. Uh, LeBron couldn't beat the Warriors on his own, right? The Clippers, they they couldn't do what they you know last year they were you know hit a wall as well because it is a team game and it has to, where someone's going to falter on some level be it the to, circumstance or the defense everyone has to step into that I trust the Clippers team a little bit more this year than I did last year uh, and I don't necessarily trust the Mavericks team and there still are those questions about you know will Paul George struggle we talked about his vulnerability I, like I said, I'd like to see a redemption arc for him. And uh, I, I don't think this series is a, a very difficult one for the Clippers. We'll see. You know, yeah. it's like on paper, right? <laughs> uh, and I could see why they made sure that they got this kind of matchup. They couldn't necessarily know they were going to get the Mavericks. Could have been the Blazers. Could have been different situations. But it was pretty obvious, like, how it was going to fall. Yeah. And they, they got the matchup they wanted. Now they will just see, you know, did they... Ask for too much. I think it was Chris Paul, uh, where he was asked on after a national game, like you, you know about seedings, and he's like, "You have to go. If you try to pick, you end up finding that you're in a dogfight against the team you picked. You know, it's yeah. it, you gotta you gotta get through it. It's going to be hard at every level. So I I look forward to nothing like playoff basketball in the NBA. So I'm excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh before we let you go, obviously these playoffs are a little bit different uh, with the play-in tournament this year. Uh, we know it's got a little bit of extra buzz and excitement because of the Lakers, due to all their injuries, are are one of the teams involved. But uh, what are your thoughts just on you know the play in format uh, in this new look for for the NBA postseason this year?
2: Well, so I have a very mixed feeling about it. Uh, ultimately, it's been successful, and uh, I I try not to be. Too, I'm more of a traditionalist myself, uh, and then I try to take away my personal feelings, and that's a big part of how I do my job as as a journalist is to not hold on to how I view things and to be open-minded to change. And so it's similar to baseball where they put in the wild card and it didn't make sense to me then to like play 162 games, or whatever, and then have a one game playout yeah. to see like, well, what did we just play all those games for? Right. And the NBA is half the number of games roughly this year, you know, whatever it's different, but, uh, and you're going to a play and it, it doesn't make sense. And so some of me is like, eh, But then I think back to years where, like, I think it was maybe the Suns had, like, a 45-win team or maybe it was the Blazers or one of those teams and they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And the teams in the East were at 35 or 36 and they made it. And that wasn't really fair. So even the traditional way had its flaws. They haven't really solved that still. There's still a little bit more uh, in the the West where there are better teams. But this at least helps where, like, uh, all the teams that are at, like, 35 wins and above are in the running, right? Like 35 is low. Like that's pretty weak. I guess we have to adjust ourselves. So for the the 72 game season. Yeah. So like, what would be, so in this case, um, let's just go with 500 teams, right? So like the Grizzlies are a 500 team. They would be uh, in the playoffs in the East. They would be the seventh seed in the East, right? Yeah. Just because the Celtics are a 500 team. So I like that they're, they're in the mix. They'd be nine under the normal system. They'd be out, and the Celtics and the Wizards would be in, and the Wizards would be in with like a 47% winning percentage, something yeah. like that, right? So it doesn't solve it entirely. And so the teams that are out are the Pelicans, right? They, they were under 500, and the Bulls were out at the exact same record. It's, it kind of helps account for that, yeah. that, you know, the disparity. Uh, So I don't hate it. And I think the goal ultimately is to reduce tanking because normally you have eight teams and then maybe there are two bubble teams. So let's say under a normal year, you have 20 out of 30 teams that down the stretch last month of the year are fighting for the playoffs, but you have 10 who are basically playing young kids, sitting veterans, stinking up the joint (laughs) and tanking. Right. Well, now we have a longer list. We have 20 teams that are in, at least have a shot to make the playoffs. Yeah. And then you probably have two bubble teams, at least up to a certain point. So now you're talking about what that's like 24 teams. You probably only have six teams that are really tanking. And that, that kind of was what we saw, like, uh, you know, the rockets and the thunder tanked, uh, the, the wolves ultimately didn't tank. They tried to win down the stretch. Uh, the pistons tanked. I think the magic pulled the plug at some point trade deadline Yeah. and the Cavaliers tanked. Right. So like that's three, that's really only five teams. I don't think the Pelicans tanked. The Kings didn't tank. They just didn't make it. The Wolves should have tanked and didn't. <laughs> I still don't understand that. Uh, don't hate me, Wolves fans. I just think, <laughs> like, you hurt your lottery position and and, and all that. Uh, and, and their their case matters because they don't get their pick. It goes to the Warriors if it, yeah. like, they don't get a top, top pick, so top few pick. Uh, and then the Raptors at some point did pull the plug, but they didn't pull it really until late. So I think ultimately the goal worked, which was change – you know, disincentivize tanking, give teams a reason to keep playing. And from that point of view, it worked. Uh, the criticisms that Mark Cuban had, I agree with. Maybe this wasn't the right year uh, because this year is so compressed. Uh, the, the league learned many years ago that like travel schedules and number of games has a direct impact on the number of injuries. Uh, now, there are always going to be injuries and there are some injuries you can't, but by and large players, there's a higher incidence of injury when players are rushed and aren't getting enough sleep and aren't going across time zones, they did their best to adapt to that this year under the circumstances. But adding that additional pressure of having more teams actively trying to win, you can argue maybe giving that incentive now doesn't make as much sense as next year, giving it when things go back to normal. But you know, like we're they're they're trying things. They tried yeah. something new. I everyone sort of agreed on it. So Mark Cuban was looking at it you know, in in, with hindsight, 2020 visions, looking back. Yeah. We probably should have thought about that. It would push more teams to play harder. Maybe we'll have more injuries and they did have more injuries this year. I haven't looked at the exact numbers, but from what I understand, the numbers are up a little bit higher. So that's not, that's not why Jamal Murray is out, but maybe it is because they rushed the, the game back so quickly. And he was one of the teams that was in the conference finals. So he, he had a shorter break than most. And maybe that wear and tear plus the schedule is why he got hurt. Or maybe he would have gotten hurt no matter what. So uh, we don't have like an exact, uh, you know, the, you, you make the best decisions you can. I, I ultimately am a, I'm pro-playing, even though it kind of goes against a lot of, you know, how I initially felt and some of my more traditional views. Ultimately, I think it's reducing tanking. And I think that's probably the intent. And ultimately what they've, at least on the short term, have have achieved that they get lebron versus steph in, in the first play in is like a it's like a miracle from a ratings point of view. Yeah. Um so it's going to be a success because we had that. And w- maybe next year it's going to be like you know no offense to the grizzlies but it'll be like the grizzlies and the and the spurs who are not big market teams and it'll be you know the pelicans and and the wolves or the kings like teams that aren't as big and you might not get you know these great matchups unless you're a basketball purist. I mean I would love to see like John Morant versus, you know, whatever, like De'Aaron Fox. That would be fine, right? So it's, you know, but from a ratings point of view, that might not uh, hit as much as LeBron versus Steph. So from the league's point of view, it's a great result. You can't always judge by result, but um, where we are now, I think the plan has been a success.
1: Yeah, and like you said, at least, you know, for these first – this week upcoming for the playing games. I'm sure there'll be a lot of eyeballs on that and that should be really fun to watch. Uh, I know you said you haven't done your full predictions yet, um, but any thoughts on if we will actually get this Clippers Lakers matchup at some point in this postseason that we were expecting last year, of course, didn't happen because of the Clippers not holding up their end of the bargain, but um, you know, obviously a tough road for both of them to get there. But uh, what do you think going forward?
2: The reason why it probably happens this year is that it's, really inconvenient from the perspective of like, I've always covered the Clippers and the Lakers since I started doing this in the early two thousands. I've always wanted that because for me, you know, selfishly, it means I'm like guaranteed conference finals. I'm guaranteed to go to the, the finals. I always want the two of them to play. It gets me more opportunity to cover the, the, the league in person. Yeah. And like a finals, a conference finals where you have seven games in LA, but like the coverage right now in person isn't really what it is like yeah there's no locker room uh the networking all the kind of stuff it's really like it, it's like basically zoom except you're there and you're zooming you know what i mean <laughs> it's like that's like how my kids are doing school basically it's either zoom from home or go to school and sit in a classroom all day one classroom on zoom doing it like it's no different like you might as well just stay home yeah and so like and I, there's something about being at the games and I'll be, I'll cover some of the playoffs in person, but um, you know, just based on like, you know, Murphy's law kind of thing where, you know, if it's going to happen, it probably happens finally when I'm not able to do my regular job. So uh, I, I don't know. I think that like, when I look at the brackets, the Lakers are assuming they stay at seven and beat golden state. Uh, Cause they, they could still drop back to eight. And if they sure. do, then they're in the Clippers bracket assuming that they win, which may not happen, but if they do, the Lakers have a, a favorable draw against Phoenix because Aiton is one of their advantages against other teams, and that's neutralized. And then it's just about Booker and and Bridges and, and uh, CP3, which is really, really good, but I don't think matches up particularly well against the Lakers. Uh, and then Denver uh, is... Their advantage is Jokic, and the Lakers are really, really big. And so, where I think you hurt the Lakers is where the Clippers are strong, in that they have really big forwards who can score. It's harder for uh, the Lakers. Their they're, Lakers are better at guarding guards with like Caruso and Schroeder and, uh, and uh, KCP yeah. and even Taylor Horton Tucker, better on guards. Uh, and that, that goes up to maybe six, four, six, five, and maybe (laughs) some guards at six, 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 seven. But when you start getting up to Paul George and, and Kawhi, now you're relying more on Kuzma, who has been really, really good for them defensively compared to where he was, but he's probably not like a lockdown guy at this point. He's definitely solid. Whereas he used to be a deficiency. Now he's solid. And then you're asking LeBron and AD to, to have to take a much bigger role defensively against the Clippers, against a bigger team like that. Uh, I don't think Dallas gets past the Clippers. Uh, and then really that leaves, assuming that Portland gets knocked out uh, by the time that you know we see deep into the playoffs, the only wild card there is Utah. Yeah, And uh, that's a tough one. If Mitchell and Conley are healthy enough with their defense with, Jokic, not Jokic. Uh, Go bear, yeah. Then you know they they have they have such good shooting, they can really score. I feel like they're still a team that we have to look at as a real threat. But I do think similarly to the Lakers, where the Lakers have a little bit of trouble guarding bigger wings, I also think that uh, the Jazz are a little bit—I don't want to say softer, but it's harder for them there. Uh, you're relying on Ingles and Royce O'Neal and some of their other pieces. They're good. Uh, but I don't know if they they match up as well against big power wings, uh, Utah. That is so uh, like uh, Conley's a good defender at the point. Mitchell's adequate enough. Clarkson, they're, but they're more of a team defensively, and, and they're taking away the rim with Gobert. But I think it's I think it's just harder for them with LeBron, with Kawhi, with uh, Paul George. So that's the wild card that to me is the main impediment for the Clippers. Uh, I my initial inclination is to pick the Clippers, especially with the question mark of Donovan Mitchell's health. Uh, Maybe we'll know a little bit more as we get deeper into the playoffs and Mitchell's great. And he's out there scoring 35 a night. He was great in the playoffs last year. So I don't know if we'll get to Lakers Clippers, but I think on paper that's what it should be in the conference finals. I think that's probably what I'll diagram out when I do my pre predictions before I see any games. I'll probably have Lakers Clippers. I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't know if I, you know, at this point <clears throat> the Clippers still have more to prove Yeah. Uh, because of what they did last year and what they didn't do last year. And so I, you know, at this point, I know this is a Clipper show. I'd probably pick the Lakers over the Clippers yeah. uh, in all honesty, but at the same time, it's not like one of those predictions where I'm mass, like I'm more confident in the Clippers over Dallas than I would be in the Lakers over Clippers. I think the, of all the teams in the West, the Clippers are the most difficult for the Lakers. That's the toughest matchup. And I, I think it'd be safe to say that the Lakers probably view it that way as well. They probably won't admit that. But I think that they look at the Clippers as probably the best team against them and the toughest team for them to match up against. So we would get a, a, a really good series. I think it, it becomes a question of, like, the Lakers have proven they can do it. Yeah. The Clippers haven't yet. And so I almost always go with that. Like I, you have to prove it to me and Kawhi has proven it to me before, but this particular group hasn't proven it yet, but the addition of Rondo Serge, and some of uh, you know, other guys who have done it, or at least have gotten close enough and, and have done more. I, I think this, the Clippers have their best opportunity now than they probably ever have to date, but um, we have to see it play out. And until we do, it's all theoretical. So yeah. I, I look forward to being right or wrong. And uh, I, I stand by my predictions, whether I'm right or wrong.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, the, the Lakers, they're defending, they're the defending champs. So they, they get that benefit of the doubt, but regardless, uh, as you mentioned, best time of the year, NBA playoffs coming up Eric, Thanks so much for joining us. Obviously uh, for anyone out there letting them know uh, you of course can be found with the articles on Bleacher Report teaching at the, the sports business class, basketball insiders, NBA TV, you're all over the map. And we, we, we as I said, really appreciate you coming on the show.
2: Of course. Yep. You could always follow me on Twitter at Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. That's usually the best way to reach me. And I post all my, my stuff there, but I'm looking forward to the playoffs. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the Clippers. They were the first team to let me in the building <laughs> uh, when I started as a young reporter. So uh, I was there during the Sterling era. I've been around them for a long time. I have a lot of uh, respect and appreciation for a lot of people in that organization. So uh, I, I have gotten to a point where I root for people I like. So I, there's a lot of people in the Clipper organization I'm rooting for. So including Zubats, who was a great kid <laughs> who I saw come up with the Lakers. So uh, really he's one of my favorites to watch with the Clippers because I, I, he's such, he's such a great young, young man. So uh, really pull for him. He's such a sweet, he's really a sweet kid, sweet, gigantic kid. But, um, <laughs> uh, so and Lou is someone I've, I've, like I said, I've seen for a long time. So uh, I was at that, that Iverson game where he got stepped over <laughs> and, and the Lakers, that was the only game the Lakers won and Lou was a part of why uh, Lakers won that series. So uh, good times. And I'm, I'm looking forward to health and uh, I want to see the best that these teams have to offer. I want to see them play it out and I want to see the best basketball we can. So rooting for health and rooting for competition.
1: Absolutely. That's the way to be. Let's yeah, As you said, keep everyone healthy on all teams through the playoffs and hope for a, for a great run. Uh, Eric, thanks so much again. And uh, we appreciate
2: the time. All right. Anytime. Thanks, Jesse.
1: So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Once again, a huge thanks to Eric Pincus for taking the time and coming on the show. As he mentioned, be sure to follow him on Twitter at Eric Pincus and follow all of the great contributions he makes across the basketball landscape, including on Bleacher Report and NBA TV, among other things. So big thanks again to Eric, and a huge thanks to you once again for tuning in right here on the Bleed Podcast Network. Clippers open up their playoff series against Dallas this weekend, still be still to be determined whether that'll be Saturday or Sunday, but it'll be one of the two, and we will have you covered for it all right here in the Bleed Podcast Network. So make sure you're subscribed and you're following along with us on Twitter as well. So that's it for this week's show we'll be back with much more getting ready for the playoffs clippers and mavs coming up should be fun until then thanks for tuning in jesse Cass signing off on the believe podcast network la's number one sports podcast network and the only place of the show for every team in la and more we believe in our la team Do you believe go clips in this episode brought to you by bet online